we have been talking about evolution actually human beings are programmed for evolution conscious evolution and there are several hints that nature has thrown in that direction the number one hint is that right from the time of inception of the human species at least uh, from the neanderthals we know of neanderthals probably are no more um, more likely than not <laughs> they evolved into what we call today as modern humans and they have been moving all the way from take the history from africa from asia from europe everywhere up and down north and south and east and west as if in search of something also unlike animal kind where there is a fixed law of the species fixed by nature and the animal is quite satisfied living within those limits you can't uh, train an elephant to turn non vegetarian you can't train a gorilla to start drinking alcohol is within that limit but human beings there is not one law of being there are countless ways that we explore life we do things we seek things we try we experiment as if we are perpetually in search of something in some way or the other to progress it has uh, this not philosophy it has it is uh, everyday psychology i observe this several times when people come and they are deeply unhappy frustrated in their unhappiness and frustration they complain about things around them about the people in their life about situations circumstances but always invariably i found this is happening because they are not progressing inwardly they have stopped growing inwardly and this shift is required that look you know you may complain about the whole world but if you don't progress you will continue to remain unhappy you will change circumstances situations in ashram this principle has been taught in number of ways one of the ways that in one of the things in the ashram is very unique that if you join a department you are stuck with the same people for the rest of your life i mean more or less so many people you know like in normal life you keep moving you know you don't like a place you you change department you change your job you change this but ashram you are stuck with that and people often wanted to shift and the mother would say that changing your circumstances changing your department is not going to change you you here you have to change yourself so ultimately when you go through that you end up learning to change your own self this is what is the true sense of evolution but normally because we want to change we think of changing outward things and this change can takes place in so many dimensions you see there are things which we don't even regard as normally uh, spiritual because with spiritual the only thing we can think about is meditation i don't know why 
I mean, Sri Krishna, the entire Gita, there are just a few slokas on <laughs> meditation. The whole thing is on attitudes, inner ways, how you relate to the world around, to the divinity within. So in Ashram, this story of Rishabh Chanji was a, came from a very Jain background and he came quite an intelligent person. Surprised the kind of you know, intellect he had. And very few people know him as his intellectual side. But anyways, he came and he was given work in the furniture department. You see, uh, somebody else will say, oh, it's a place, your mind will rot. Probably, maybe the mind needs to rot for the <laughs> truth inside to emerge. But nevertheless, he said, very happy, surrendered, whatever work is given, I'll take. And the first work was to kill the bugs inside the... Uh, First assignment in the bed. Now, you know, he's a giant. Can't kill a bug. Can't even breathe and kill bacteria. I don't know what happens when you are ill. One takes treatment or not, I have no idea. Antibiotics or not. But because, you know, it's all... You can't breathe, live in this life without killing. So, you know, in extreme situation, one wears a mask to avoid killing. So, how can he kill a bug? That too, knowingly. Putting hot water inside, the bug will come out. Kill it with a stone. So he had written a letter to mother that, Mother, I am so happy. Whatever work you give me, I will you know, accept it. But when this assignment was given, he kept back that letter. And he wrote another letter to Sri I think mother does not know my Jan background. So, you know, I am not supposed to kill. So she has given me this task. What should I do? And Sri reply that, Whatever work mother gives you is meant for your progress. Take it with that spirit. And everything will be fine. Now, it's a small thing, looking at it. We would think, what has that got to do with spirituality? And how it opens the mind. See, when the mind is closed and shut in a box, it may be a very nice box, good-looking box. It may be a spiritual box. But it's a box. It prevents us to expand, to open. And that's why... After a lot of progress here, there, everywhere, one begins to turn inside. There is a time for that. There are stages of evolution when we have to go step by step. Stages which consciousness has created for our evolutionary journey. And we must go through that. In fact, we can't help but go through that. There is another very interesting aspect of human beings, which is an indicator that we are meant for some kind of an evolution and progress. And it is this that we as human beings not only have two lifelines, you know, all astrologists will tell us there are two lifelines, the outer and the inner. We actually have a double life. Not in the sense that we have one life on the front and another life behind. Well, there are people who live like that, very unfortunate. But um, they suffer because of that, because you, you don't know after a while that which is the true you. When people put on shows, after a while they forget. They are so identified with the show. So it's a dangerous thing to do. But nevertheless, we have two lives. And uh, if you see the biological graph of you know, evolution, um, man with a weak vitality compared to the animal kind is the longest living still. See, <laughs> the term homo sapiens, the word... Homo is human being, sapiens means the wise wise one. So, now in all animals, all animals, the death comes 
as soon as they stop the reproductive ability. You see a gorilla dies at 35 to 40, much stronger. Lion, 12 to 15 years. Dogs, cats, bear, except for the tortoise which is way back behind, you see any animal. The reproductive age is also the age when it's going to die in a natural code, genetically programmed, not about accident and other things. It's genetically programmed like that, as if its sole purpose is to just keep prolonging the species. Having a child and keep prolonging the species. Of course, there are some human beings who believe that's the only way to live. Keep prolonging your own kind and species. I believe the even scriptures we say you must produce more and more of your kind so that you know it spreads upon earth. But that apart, in human beings, after we the reproductive capacity stops, we are given another lease of life. It's a good lease of life. Let's say for a woman 45 to 50, and then she has another at least 30 years to explore. Good time, not a bad time, but uh, I mean, it's enough time. But what we do is, we end up getting stuck to children, to family and everything else. So in Indian system, there was a very nice way that you have the first half of your life in Brahmachari Ashram, the spring, and Grihastha Ashram, which is the summer when you have to really do hard work. Then after that, to avoid all this Saas Bahuka problem, it was Vanaprastha Ashram. Who goes Vanaprastha? Not the children, the elderly go. So you leave them free and you explore the world, life, go around, discover. It was a very good way to... There are greater vistas than we have even imagined. And then finally, Moksha Sanyas, when you withdraw into a place, space where you can fully concentrate all the energies. You know, it's just from the seasons. You have spring, summer, then the rains when there is a purification going on, then the autumn and then the new spring. So it was a very beautiful cycle, taking into account both types of evolution in human beings. Because the moment humanity comes, we have two lines of evolution. They are actually two stages. First, we don't turn inward, so, but we are programmed to progress. So progress and evolution takes a secular form. There is no God, there is no spirit, doesn't matter, but still, you have to go to school, you have to develop capacities of logic, thinking, analysis, human capacities. And your vitality should be strong, the body itself must be healthy. This is one line of evolution. And pursuing this line, we can have great, tremendous superhuman beings. You see, that is one kind of superhumanity. The prototype, even one can include yoga to develop powers and capacities, which is, you know, one line of evolution. Ravana did a yoga and through that yoga he had such tremendous powers that he could tie up all the nine grahas. Basically it means that all the powers, celestial powers, titanic powers, godlike powers, all of them he could bear in his system. What it created ultimately was a superhumanity which was harmful for itself and harmful for the earth. That's why Ravana had to fall and every Ravana has to fall if we develop along those lines alone. But this is one line and Shobindo speaks of this superhumanity. There is a very interesting essay uh, on the superman where he says that the idea of superman has seized the human race. And it has already come in imagination in a big way. You see it's very interesting that um, two super hit things, one in the 
form of book and another in the form of cinema in recent times we know it it's not uh, ramayana and mahabharata it is harry potter series and the other is captain marvel and the avengers it's amazing because human beings just identify with the characters which are superhuman something from beyond something with magical powers faculties other worlds exploration is it's there in in us but we should be careful that which line of evolution we are taking because there is a kind of yoga which basically focuses it's called yoga the term is a, another thing but it focuses on body mind and life that's it as far as the deeper spiritual sense self purpose is missing in that but because it's called yoga so somewhere you know it comes through a back door and you know divine is nothingness and this this creation we have to grow so it's it's one kind of superhumanity that we may it's it's also happening because when the new consciousness comes the new force comes it is going to give us an evolutionary boost suddenly it will take us in a certain direction it's a tremendous energy and the same energy can be used for new creation or the same energy can be used for recreation or the same energy can be used for degeneration because you know it's it's too powerful and to bear it it can lead us along different lines so we see that one of the results of this uh, onrush of energy has been immense technological growth this one line which human beings take but what is needed along with this technological growth is one something commensurate with that and that is our inner growth and that's what shobindo brings out that if this is not commensurate then there will be an imbalance of a very dangerous kind because the the force is here but how we use it so um, there are several things which the mother and shobindo remind us when we are passing through this evolutionary passage the first thing that comes uh, in a message of the mother because this evolution takes place in two ways i think first we spoke about it when it's a slow evolution long time nothing is really happening nothing much and then there is a leap and the mother calls it as and shubindu calls it as the hour of god and the mother defines this hour as an hour when all the old bases get shaken so we are going through a period when the old bases are shaken that is very evident we don't have to read a book to know this everybody knows at the same time the new thing which is coming up and trying to create its own structures forms suited for its own expression the new consciousness they are not yet built so it's a period of conf- confusion and during this period many forces will come in rushing inside and that's why we see suddenly explosion even of the spiritual market spirituality is a big market today earlier it was only like you know few things but today babas earn a lot of money you know it's it's plain speak yeah because it's it's big market so they have tapped into the market they have studied the market they know what human beings need they want something inner they don't know so you have uh, now most people are not aware of the inner landscape so it's so easy to tell anything in the name of you know all kinds of uh, this katha and that story and this method and that proxy and eventually to earn a lot of money it's 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 part of the game because this is how 
the only good thing about it is this it nurtures the thirst any genuine human being beyond a point is not satisfied says this is enough i want to go further further but at the core of this hour of god stands what is called as the avatar in indian term it is he who has come to take humanity to the next step uh, next level of evolution and he holds the new yug dharma the dharma of the age and that each age has its own dharma that has to be respected for instance one of the dharmas of this age is freedom you can't snatch it away from anyone there will be revolt you tell a child that you have to obey me and up to up to a point maybe till 5 year old i don't know uh, even 2 year old maybe <laughs> beyond a point well why because this is the dharma of the age you have to respect it you see that's why this uh, new way of ashram in shurbindo ashram one of the principles is freedom when shurbindo was asked why have you given so much freedom that your disciples can hang themselves such a long rope that they can hang themselves at the end of the rope he says you can't create superman without that because otherwise it will be not authentic the divine does not want us to put on the show of superhumanity it should be something authentic authentic is only when we have freely accepted and that's why indoctrination conversion mass movement propaganda are completely out of sync with shurbindo's thought because the moment these things impress upon people and they forcibly turn either because of some external uh, lure sometimes lures are given of various kinds spiritual lure of nirvana spiritual lure of quick uh, whatever nirvana in 14 days time so much dollars this i read long back i am sure times have changed enlightenment now the new catch word is enlightenment somebody asked me once a question are you enlightened because <laughs> 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 there is a new catch word <laughs> enlightenment so <laughs> uh, and there are people who are searching it's not the fault of people it's the fault because they are searching for something and they don't know and so they accept and and because this is there in our mind that money can buy things so wherever if you give knowledge free then it's not valued it has to be because we have grown up like that must be accompanied by a fanfare so once in one of my visits people were saying you know we were thinking uh, to put a billboard on the road that so and so is coming i said my god thank you you told me i would never come if you do those things but this is what attracts people swami so and so ananda and make a nice imposing picture with you know one week and pay up i tell you i mean people rush because somehow there is this erroneous impression that by doing it we are going to you know get and what you get is some feel good factor so none of these things is what shurabindo wants it has no meaning no value shubindra says from the point of view of yoga it is not what you do not what you are but what you inwardly can become this is the important the consciousness in which we do it all these things have no meaning outward this is something very beautiful about uh, shubindra's yoga so it must be the call must be felt freely that's why there are always very few people you go to any shubindra Uh, movement and it's very nice because it is uh, corrective to keep it 
to a certain degree of purity. The moment we have plenty of people moving around, you see there is dilution, there is mixture, there are all kinds of things. And truth escapes from that in the secrecy of its silence. That's how religions are formed. But this is a solid movement. Evolution is like that. The first humans, imagine, they were not like population of China and India. First humans, such a timid species, amidst so many animals all around, doesn't know anything. And yet that human is destined to evolve and not the best gorilla. It is that little half gorilla, half human who doesn't know whether my one foot is there or one foot is here. He's destined to evolve. So this is what we have to keep in mind. So the one thing which Shirobindo reminds us, it's an hour of God, old will go, the new will come. And before this new yuga dharma sets in, there, because the old order is broken, there is a tendency, there is a double tendency which we observe in human beings. That power which was stabilizing, that has gone. So there will be many who will tend to gravitate down. Because the holding thing is gone. You know, if you see generation or two generations before, um, it's not that people were all very good, very good guys. Only it was not seen. So, you know, in, in Indian homes, it was often regarded, Mira beta pacha kabhi cigarette nahi pita hai. Pita hai. Oh, piche haat rakhe pita hai. That's the only difference. I, I, I remember it. One very interesting thing that uh, once my mother very proudly told in front of every, you know, my son never tells a lie. You know, that day I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> I said, how could she say this? But I have told a lie. I remembered a couple of times when I had told a lie. I said, how could she say this? I was very uncomfortable that I let down my mom. <laughs> so it was like a bombshell. So then I decided that, you know, if and when I do things, I'll tell her so that she doesn't have to. So when I smoked a cigarette, I told her that, look, I'll try my best and I've smoked a cigarette. And then it was grace that it went off. When I tasted alcohol, I told them that, look, you know, so that they are not in any uh, <laughs> illusion. And there is a great thing in this honesty. You know, it's, it's uh, I'm sure... Parents understand. They know, they have seen their own struggles. So it's, uh, it's honesty and truthfulness. Honesty is a big mantra for this age. Honesty with oneself. Of course, how this went away from me was sheer grace in short time. But so that, you know, this just to course corrective. So that you may think I'm still smoking and drinking. But it's a phase of progress when you are drawn to certain things and they go away. So we have this uh, honesty and one thing which is in this age which we must respect, it's the dharma of the age is no hypocrisy. When mother was asked, what is it that is uh, super mind will throw away? She says hypocrisy. Meaning thereby you can't wear masks for long. People will see through it and it's not a good thing in any circle. So to be honest, to be just as we are and present ourselves before the divine. That here it is. Here we are. Now you change me. If I go as a sadhu bacha, then divine will say, oh, you are already perfect in your own eyes. People have this idea, we are talking about Auroville. You know how Auroville started? Narad, 
bhai gave just few hints and i could see he held back a lot more <laughs> See, it's very interesting. Divine's play. It's, it's uh, to me, it's like wonderful uh, to see how divine works. Auroville is a place meant for human unity. And incidentally, its conception. Mother says in one of her conversations, this conception came to her when she was five year old. In Paris, it was like a formation, which she left in Paris and came because. It's a collective evolution which is a far more complex. Then she says, one of the persons who went to Paris picked it up and wrote a letter to her. I, you know, I am thinking of designing a city. And then she said, oh, you have got my formation. That is the background of Auroville which several times this formation. Not only that, 2000, 3000 years back, as Queen Hatsheput, she had this idea of an ideal world. So evolution is both individual and collective. But look how the divine starts. It's very interesting. Auroville is a place primarily for human unity. That's, that's the purpose of Auroville. It's before you can, that's the focus of Auroville. And before you can talk about, you know, big words like transformation, at least find the self and come together based on that. But you know how it started? It started with, just like the trenches of human nature, barren soil, it started with murderous instincts. Right? <laughs> Groups. Imagine, few human beings having groups fighting with each other, literally wanting to throw stones. Thankfully, they didn't have bombs in their hands. <laughs> Why? Precisely because that's how the divine starts its work. How else will he be divine? If we go to him, I am Sadhu Bachi. You know, some people have this idea. They go to Ashram, they go to Auroville. I have come to a perfect world. You know the beauty, even in a perfect world, if you have not changed yourself inside, then you will not enjoy that perfect world. You may be in the ashram, right, with mother and Shurabindo physically there. But you will find reasons and means to complain and grudge. Why? Because perfection is not something given like that. Perfection is something we grow into. And when we grow into that, we may discover that many things that I thought imperfect were quite well in their place. They had their own reason, purpose and meaning in, in the grand scheme of things. That's why she focuses on this, you know, tells us about this inner evolution. So there are no ready-made utopias, even if they are. Even if we walk into a ready-made utopia. If my consciousness is not ready, I will not enjoy even a trace of it. And the typical example is found in one of the stories of Sri Ramakrishna. This is an eye-opener because many people go thinking of this, that yesterday we have extended an open invitation to Auroville. <laughs> so we must know, there is a story of Sri Ramakrishna. So once some, you know, flower vendor, no, fisher women, so you know, they, the men catch the fish and they go to the market to sell the fish. They came to the market to sell their fishes. And it got a little late and it started raining and raining quite heavily. So they didn't know what to do. So they knocked at somebody's door and he was a flower vendor and he opened the door. What, do, what can I do? So we just need some shelter for the night. It's all right. Come sleep in my go down. So that big room had a lot of flowers for tomorrow. So next day he said, I hope everything was fine. He said, yes, but we couldn't sleep. Said, Why? Your place was full of Flower smell, I can't bear it. I we like fish smell. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the fish smell. I have problems with fish smell, but there are people who relish it all said. 
Oh, it was all fish smell, uh, flower smell. Horrible. Horrible is my addition to Sri Ramakrishna's story. <laughs> but they couldn't sleep. Why? Because somebody else would have said, Wow, look at grace. Not only has the divine grace provided me shelter, but created a bed of flowers for me to rest upon. Somebody else will look like that. But another person will say, What kind of place? Is there really God's grace? I wish he had surrounded me with all the fishes so that I could have nice smell while sleeping. So, Udopia is something to be built. And each one of us. And when we look the journey of Horoville just 50 years, it's amazing. Starting with murderous instincts and within 50 years reaching a point where people at least are talking of oneness. People are talking of, you know, how we can get together and, you know, bring a greater unity in the world and... Uh, between Ashram, Auroville and every... It's amazing. I think in 50 years it's stupendous. But when, especially when we look at where it started from. But divine starts his work like that. So in this yoga, the evolutionary process doesn't start by learning some meditation technique. It starts when we say, Mother, here I am. Just as I am. A Buddha. Or maybe worse. A stupid old monkey who has put on the face of a human being. But you have always played with monkeys. If you could turn a monkey into Hanumana, the god in previous avatar. Today you are armed with a greater power and surely this human monkey can be made into whatever you want it to be. The key word in this yoga, that's why the mother reminds us, is self-giving. Not wanting. And there is a meaning in that. You know that story, famous story of Tagore, isn't it? Many of us, are we aware of this story? That how God comes? This story, Mother has commented on this, this interesting side of this. How when God came, and Tagore describes that I was standing on the road, He is coming, God is coming. Means anything you can get. So everybody has stretched hand. Give me this, give me that, give me red, give me blue, give me uh, child, give me a husband, give me money. Oh, everybody is with stretched hands. Because that is the fate of God, unfortunately. <laughs> so it's so dangerous <laughs> to play God in this world. So, but when Tagore, God comes to Tagore, he, God stretches out his hand and says, give me something. Oh, he is crestfallen because his wife has given him a list <laughs> to ask from God. You know, divine Mother is there, miraculous power, everything. So ask. So when he asks, he doesn't know what to do. Now, but God is asking and it's a small moment. So he takes out uh, a grain of uh, wheat and gives it to God and God goes away. He feels so stupid. He comes home. His wife says, did you ask him anything? He says, he didn't give me a chance. You told me all this, I forgot, he didn't give me a chance. Oh God. Yes, they have a little quarrel and then, you know, they empty the sack of wheat and what he discovers is few grains of wheat have turned into gold. And then he laments, why didn't I give him my whole bag up? <laughs> so when mother was told this story, she enjoyed very much, relished it. And she made her comment, very interesting comment. She says, you know, when the divine comes, he comes like a beggar. 
becomes like a beggar. And when we give something to the divine and for the divine work, actually that much, divine lives by that, but that much turns into pure gold in our consciousness. So in this yoga, the key movement is not wanting, wanting, wanting. We're all the time looking for a great realized person so that, you know, one more genie in the bottle. We are not looking for God. We are looking for genie in the bottle. It's talking about transformation is a big word. But when we give ourselves, whatever we give, when we give thoughts, when we give our feelings, we give our life, energies, that's why in this yoga, work for the divine is so important. How else we'll give our life energies? When we give our body, how do we give our body? When we engage in simple acts of service to the divine physically. What those acts could be? They could be as seemingly trivial as picking up a chair, one of those comfortable chairs and bringing and putting it here. It's part of the uh, work. That's why yesterday I wanted to pick it up, but uh, I'm sure Vladimir knew my plans. Uh, he said, no, 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 I am going to take it. <laughs> Lost an opportunity. <laughs> but it's perfectly fine because individual evolution is never complete without everybody evolving. But these small little things with the body when we do, it's there in the ashram context and that's why centers are so important. Centers are not just places where we give some lectures and this. there are opportunities where we can engage in service. doesn't matter what kind of service, which way somebody is, uh, you know, cutting the grass, somebody is arranging the room, somebody is cooking. But everybody shares at the end the same joy, the same prasad. This is the ancient Indian truth about yoga. Somewhere it got lost and now we have only schools of meditation and techniques. It is a living reality. And yoga works itself through real time. It's not something like, you know, Krishna Prem, Ronald Nixon. Some of us must have heard his story. He was a British uh, mathematician. And uh, then he took to sannyas, uh, you know, Mahayashoda who... Uh, turned him in bhakti towards Krishna. Incidentally, she is the lady whose husband had given to the mother a copy of the Gita, which she says, it was not well translated, very poor in translation, but I went through it and I realized that Krishna is the imminent divine. And within a few months, she had realized the entire truth of the Gita. Shobhinda has written that. The mother before coming here was already an adept in the Buddhist yoga and the yoga of the Gita. Shobindo's words, because some people thought she's a disciple of Shobindo. She was already an adept. Is it a joke at, you know, 30 to be a master in these two yogas? The Bahai Abdul Baha wanted her to be, take over the charge of the Bahai sect. Just as Rabindranath wanted her to come and take over Shanti Niketan. But she knew her work was there. So, this... Um, Going back to our story of Krishna Prem. So Krishna Prem came and someday, sometime later, some of his um, friends came all the way from UK to visit. And they saw him, you know, cleaning the uh, kitchen in olden days. Some of us may know in India, the kitchen had to be cleaned thoroughly before you cook. And uh, every night, there was a, it was a whole ritual because we didn't have gas connection. So you have to clean it properly, then put everything. And once you clean it, not anybody can enter. So I remember my grandmother cleaning the kitchen. And after that, 
Uh, only my mom could enter. Nobody else, you know. And you can't enter because you have to clean yourself thoroughly before. So all this ritual was going on. He was doing it. So this his friend came and after a few pleasantries, he says, "Do you think that this way you will realize God?" And Krishna Prem's reply: "Those who have gone ahead, they have gone this way. See, this way is about." Cleaning the utensils in the kitchen. Those who have gone, they have gone this way. So this yoga, which is an all-embracing yoga, we should not belittle it. Sometimes I feel by simply reducing it to a set of techniques. It's not that. It is the attitude which is so important. And I have seen that people who adopt this kind of attitude, they just grow very fast. They don't talk about it. Just as animals don't talk about their qualities. Simple human beings don't; they can't give lectures. And wonderful, I mean, Gita, the living example. I've seen at least I know her a little bit. There may maybe other people. I've seen that evolution and growth. I wish one day you should come and talk about your your journey. Just quietly sitting, smiling, absorbing, and doing all the work, making sure that the food is there in time and everything. It's a journey where your inner attitude counts so much, and this kind of evolutionary path that Shurabindu has opened—it's independent of all the scriptures are there, but independent of all of them. It's not necessary that you know we are devoting our time to scriptural reading or this or that. So at, we must know that this yoga is extremely simple when we look at it from one point of view. But if we look at it from the goal, it's very difficult. So that we can go to that question now. That what is this journey? Swami Vivekananda spoke of this yoga as a process of conscious and concentrated evolution. In animals also there is evolution, but it's not a conscious evolution. In human beings, there is a conscious evolution. All attempt at progress, including education and various means of progress, are a conscious evolution. But it's also a concentrated evolution. Now, in Vedanta, there is a conscious evolution, and this evolution in traditional Vedanta is understood as the evolution of the soul. In Tantra, you have 84 lakh yonis forms. Then man is created. Once man comes, his only business and purpose is that basically evolution is of forms is over. Why? Because the soul has become individualized enough, and it's capable of turning towards its source and becoming conscious of that. So, it's a logical thing at one level. If you leave aside that question about creation and why all this drama, but if you leave aside, it sounds logical. And so, the Vedanta speaks about henceforth an evolution which is basically inner in terms of your soul. It is. This soul has gone through a process of physical evolution. The consciousness is physical when it is conscious only of the physical world, physical processes. When we are at that stage, all that we want is some physical to do things, how to sit properly, how to you know do asanas, because that's the only thing we understand. Mastering the breath, because we are physical, conscious in the physical. What is, there is a very beautiful term in Sanskrit, dehichinme. We are not ready for the inner subjective journey of yoga. We are not. We are not aware of the psychological processes inside. Then the next level of human evolution is when out of the physical man he develops into the vital kinetic man. We see all these in in the Dashavatara. And then next step when he becomes a mentalized human being. Mentalized human beings question. 
it's their nature to ask seek answers so this is a very good stage so that's when vedanta and all these things come into play where you have a method of inquiry you have because you have already evolved to a point which is more satvik you want a law of life how to lead my life etc etc and you grow through that till finally the soul is released into the beyond perfection of the beyond shubindo takes it to the next level he says yes you have realized your perfection but what about the collective so that's where up till now spiritual processes stop and if that is the goal then yes it is logical to learn some method technique read a book withdraw inside shut oneself in a chamber and practice yoga it's a logical thing to do but there is a double purpose of evolution and that is individual and collective why because my evolution is not complete i think yesterday jyoti priya's letter no you were reading narad jyoti priya's letter where the mother says that you know your evolution is not complete till everybody's evolution is complete it's a very powerful letter this what you come to realize at one point of time who am i so much of me and my evolution and that's when collective evolution and that's why for a long time in the ashram context there was individual evolution mother says that that all of you were like little babies whom i had wrapped in a cocoon it's important to understand this collective evolution in its deeper sense so then what happened after that after the supramental manifestation 58 she says now it is like a community so what it means is everyone helps or hinders the other person's progress so we are moving and block i may be in the ashram somebody else may be in usa third person may be in france but we are connected that's what i was telling you know between the hiring and the firing now there is wired wiring we are all wired it's inwardly wired she has done the wiring and now it has become so deeply interconnected that there is nothing like just my own if you try to do it the collective will not allow you so there it comes a reciprocity now how to handle this so the mother made it still more interesting you know that's how it was in the ancient vedic ages each of us becomes a representative type of humanity see it's a aspect of this yoga which people don't talk about they only say oh that person has this defect and that defect look at people as representative types of humanity so each person in this yoga represents a possibility of divine consummation in humanity a divine fulfillment but each person also represents in this yoga a human impossibility to change the shadow as it is called so it just doesn't allow and incidentally that is the one which is which shows the path for each one it is that individual shadow the thing is we don't see our own shadow but easy to see shadow of others so we always say oh and you know this is a mechanism very interesting mechanism in the world play that the divine makes us see our own issues if we don't see within us he makes us see in others he said now at least you see it so it is called mother says the world is a mirror what we see in others is our own problems he <laughs> he was seen he who lives in darkness inside as eyes out of mud sees mud everywhere feels irritated 
by everybody. But actually, mud is in his eyes. Doctor will say, please clean it. And he who has seen the beauty within, sees beauty everywhere. It doesn't Shurabindu Yoga start from this? Look at Alipur Jail. What was Shurabindu's first experience of yoga? In the midst of criminals, in the midst of what is called as inferior humanity, Chutta Log. He saw the divine everywhere. This is the first foundation of yoga. And then the rest begins to. So, each of us are a representative humanity. And while in others, the share is only this much. In those who take to this yoga, the share is increased. Because just as when we realize something, it multiplies in other bodies. So also, we take upon knowingly, unknowingly, all the problems of everybody in the world. It's not a joke. Because people often say, what uh, philanthropic activities the ashram is engaging in? So one of the answers I, I say that the members there are drinking poison also along with nectar. Nectar of the divine and poison of humanity. We don't know it because that's inevitable. If you become a representative type, your consciousness will expand and we will take all this. So all this must be aware. So collective yoga is not just meeting together and doing some kind of, you know, a collective meditation. This is one part of it. But even if we are alone, if the consciousness has expanded, we begin to absorb many things which are going around in the world. So this is another dimension of this yoga. And that's why as we grow, the need for things like sincerity, vigilance uh, becomes more and more. There are many people who start the journey very well, but break down halfway through. They just can't wear it. One needs to be strong to take in all this and yet keep on moving and it's the cross that everybody has to bear. And how do we bear the cross? Only when we know that somebody else is actually bearing the cross for us. That's what is meant by each person bearing their own cross. So what we have to do is we have to keep on referring it to her. That is the line of growth that human beings have to take. Which means that a point comes when our consciousness begins to move beyond the human. It is not a sudden process. So that question about, you know, what is meant by becoming conscious? What is meant by becoming conscious is first of all to grow in consciousness. So as we grow in consciousness, we will start looking at the same thing very, very differently. In the beginning, we start with whatever we are. So I have a mental consciousness and I can watch myself cleaning the floor, the body. This is one step. But time comes when the mental consciousness looks upon itself. You know, my thoughts, my feelings automatically. Then a stage comes when it begins to shift. That look, you know, this is not in tune. This is veiling the divine presence. There is a time when we live like, as you were mentioning so rightly, like dead people. I mean, many of us, if we look back, look back I can say for myself, 30 years, 35 years back, I would wonder that what kind of an idiot I was, you know. What is it? How, how could I enjoy these things? But it was a fact. And today, it's impossibility. Simply because you have outgrown that state. So the stress should be on only one thing, growth of consciousness. How to grow in consciousness? Very simple. Very, very simple. We have an individual consciousness, which is a limited consciousness. What is the divine? He is all consciousness. Bring this little consciousness into connection with the all consciousness. I 
love this story several times i have recounted i may not be here so i can recount you know ishwar chand vidyasagar was very erudite scholar and one day he came to meet shri ramakrishna shri ramakrishna is an unlettered illiterate brahmin <laughs> i think he hardly went to school fourth standard fifth standard so ishwar chand vidyasagar is regarded as a very learned man sagar ocean of learning that is the title given to him so one day he comes to meet shri ramakrishna and does pranam and shri rama krishna says oh ocean has come to meet a stream sagar vidyasagar you have come to meet a mere stream so vidyasagar replies this stream has united with the great ocean it's no more a stream it's much greater than the ocean of learning that i can people think i possess so you see this humility this this whole thing that when our little consciousness is connected with the divine what happens to it it undergoes a change all processes you see of yoga which we turn into big techniques let me let the cat out of the bag disclose the secrets very simple gyan yoga what do we contemplate upon on the idea that all is the divine all is in the divine the divine is in all in various ways i am that thou art that the whole creation is that what is that beyond name beyond description so what happens by constant contemplation of the mind and thought turning it again and again into that it begins to be molded into that all the measures begin to fall away and a time comes when suddenly there is an explosion actually the matha phat jata hai i don't have better words <laughs> and you may it's a crackpot you become a crackpot because your whole measures fall but it's a luminously mad as shri ramakrishna would say <laughs> dharma pagal <laughs> yeah because the measures fall away then you become really non judgmental you see truth you see divine and divine but you are not judgmental the way mind judges it doesn't mean that you lose the power of discrimination a divine discrimination awakens so by contemplating contemplating the thought is coming in contact with that and one day it happens that it begins to be transmuted and very nice uh, thing as children we learn and mother emphasizes that repeatedly it's relevant in yoga and with children she says jaisi sangati rakhoge be careful of the company you keep that's why it's so important in yoga if you keep a certain kind of company you will get molded into that <coughs> so we should be so careful of whom we love whom we are every day interacting with because that's why all this idea about shielding oneself is from that perspective no nothing else because when this new consciousness is growing and we are just freely mixing with here and there and everywhere whatever is being done is being undone of course a time come when it doesn't matter then one is like an ocean as shri ramakrishna could go anywhere and like he told about vivekananda when people complain you are saying narendra is a great person great person i have seen him drink wine sitting with pretty women so he says oh narendra prophetic statement even if he goes outside far lands sit with sits with pretty women drinks wine and eats meat he will purify it that's because swami vivekananda is like is like an ocean of light walking wherever he goes he is not afraid of it but in the initial stages it's important because otherwise it it gets mixed up look at now bhakti yoga what is the bhakti yoga you end up loving the divine 
Your emotions are turning to the divine. Tameva Mata, Chapita, Tameva, Tameva Bandhu, Tameva, everything is you. You are my master, you are my friend, you are my um, guru, you are my teacher, you are my father, my mother. I'll ask you, why should I ask my dad? See, I will ask you if I need something. And I know that before I need, you will give it to me. This trust. So what happens as a result of this love turned towards the divine? You begin to get molded into the image of the divine. That little consciousness grows into the all consciousness. What is Karma Yoga? You are doing this work, that work for the sake of satisfying your own self, your family, your desires. Or maybe you are serving your country, big ideal. Or maybe at the most humanity, that the utmost human beings can expand themselves, save planet, save earth, etc., etc. But when you do works and direct those energies in service of the divine, it may be anything, doesn't matter. So after a while the divine says, this fellow, I'll, I'll do one thing, you, you are doing work for me, alright, but you know, I'll teach you how to do it. That is perfection in works, that's why the Gita puts it as, Yogaha Karmasu Kaushalam. It's not human Kaushalam, it's a divine Kaushalam. I will help you, your work become perfect, as perfect as he is. And eventually if you pursue this line of understanding, then you end up that the whole life becomes perfect with the divine perfection. The mind, the, in, in traditional yoga, it is used only to help a part of our consciousness come in contact with the all. In this yoga, it molds everything, all the activities and all the thoughts and feelings in, in our everyday life. So this is a brief background, line of evol- lines of many lines of evolution, consciousness has pursued till now. But the new path which is opening, which is a very wide path, integral path, all-inclusive, all-embracing, but there are different stages. At each stage, we grow in consciousness, we discover new things about ourselves and the world. None of them is a final thing. This we should remember. When people would tell Shurabindo, oh, I had this vision, I had this fantastic experience, he would say, yes, it's good to have them, but don't stop there. Be detached. Go further, go further. So as long as we don't stop, because if we stop, we'll turn it into a religion. If we stop, we will become mini-gurus. So that's not what is required. But to keep on growing, 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 till we reach a point, which is not a point, but infinity. So I think uh, we are right in time. We have five minutes. Yeah, something. Two things following up on what you said. I think people will enjoy. Yes. The first one was from Mother. When the first group of war millions came, Mother said, Don't think you are anything special. (laughs) You all represent a problem of the world to be worked out. And the second thing was directly to me. There was a, a young man, handsomest man I ever saw, And he was going back to Europe, and he said, come with me, and we'll go to parties and meet beautiful girls and everything. I wrote to Mother immediately. And Mother wrote, better not. (laughs) So when I went to see her, I had a long letter, and she had answered all the questions in the order I had sent, weeks later. Wow. And at the end, she said about this man, she said, it is better 
not to associate with those who live outside of themselves, yes. as it were. So it's a very important aspect. Thank you for bringing it out in such a direct living way. Because very often we forget. Now, few minutes we do some technique and rest of the time what we do, we think it's unimportant. But that's when actually God walks with us. So, any questions with regard to that? I think that other one also, how to grow in mother's consciousness, <coughs> contemplate on the mother, think of the mother, read books on the mother, most importantly, love the mother. Have faith in the mother and he'll grow. Associate with those who are full of that love. In the beginning it's important. Brother, can you share, you talk about consciousness and growing into consciousness. So first of all, how do you grow so, and practice the growth of consciousness? Yes, so uh, of course the hints that I gave, that is what yoga is about. Uh, thinking of the divine, loving the divine, working for the divine, that's the way of growth of consciousness as Sri Aurobindo has revealed. Uh, but uh, to start with is a very, very elementary thing. Because even this required that we are at least aware of something called as an inner being. Uh, the first step is to learn to disengage the inner being from its grip of, you know, this. Every, everything is a play of consciousness. But consciousness is lost in the phenomena, identified with the phenomena. I am the body. Look, it's so elementary. So I have seen people suffer so much just because of this thing that I am the body. Now when the body goes through certain stages, they can't separate. And by the time they learn it, it's too late. That's why we say instinctively, You know, so and so has died. No, there is no, nothing like death. The body goes through these stages. And when we are terribly identified, so it's good to practice some inner detachment from these things. While in everyday life. And we have opportunities given by us uh, in that way. Say when there is a little injury in the body. We can make one response which is habitual response. But what is yoga? It is to substitute the habitual response by another kind of response which we normally don't give. But we can give. The potential is there. I mean, I remember some of the incidents in my own life. When I, when I was trying to actually lift a huge wheel, I thought that like Abhimanyu, I lift it. No, no, I was trying to help. It was lying right outside the playground. So I thought, you know, I lift it and put it on the side like a good Samaritan. It had nails plunging or coming out. So I thought somebody may step over and hurt. So as I was lifting, I should have called help. But you know, you learn humility a difficult way sometimes. So as I lifted up, I realized far too stronger. And halfway through and it just collapsed. The wheel didn't collapse, my hands collapsed. Mm -hmm. So it fell on the foot, which unwittingly I had, you know, trying to lift, placed forward. So the whole thing fell on the foot. Now I observed something very interestingly. Something happened and I was completely cut off from that. And I was observing, Very everybody came around, but I was observing without an trace of pain. Oh, my foot is swelling, how it is swelling, <laughs> all this. <laughs> like, <laughs> till after a time I said, oh my God, it's swelling, I am not experiencing anything. The moment I thought of it, then I had the first sensation of pain. Instinctively, the whole thing had detached. But it gave me such a vantage point that after that, even though the pain was there, it could be just cut off without any painkiller or anything. 
So I used the cycle, went back home and I said, my foot is little swollen. I'll tie some crepe bandage and put some cold pack. Because, but instinctively we are so much in it, identified with it. At another level, so much identified with our emotions, surface emotions, as you said, is tied to the surface. That if somebody whom we expect, you know, something from the close ones, the so-called family members, the relatives, you know, remember they are relatives, don't make them absolutes. But, you know, if it doesn't come, we, are, we suffer. Why do we suffer? Because we are tied. It's a good opportunity to learn that I am tied. Let me unlock myself. It's a good opportunity. Divine is very kind that he has given me people around who don't understand a damn about me. Because it's my opportunity to grow. If I was surrounded by people who only flattered me and cared for me and said, Oh, you are so nice. I would have no opportunity to grow. So when God loves us, he surrounds us with people who will make sure you can't get attached. <laughs> See, grace. That's how grace works. And we feel unhappy about it. Don't, not realizing it's divine grace. So, this is the second level where surface emotions. We get happy like this and those who, you know, hope violently, despair swiftly. Ah, marriage is going to happen. Indian context. All goody, goody, goody. Why in two days it turns into unhappiness? Let it be a little blank slate. Let them discover each other and uh, let's not make any prefabricated things in the head. So there is a joy of discovery. That's why marriages last when there is always something hidden, something to be revealed, something which is left untold like a mystery. You can see the young ladies behind smiling. Yes. <laughs> Let let something remain a mystery. And one of the ways it can remain a mystery is if you keep progressing. There is always something new to discover. Don't disclose all the cards. I am a vegetarian, I am this, that, this, that. What is the fun? If somebody asks you, you discover. Do you love me just as I am? Okay, fine. Now we start. That's journey. The joy of the unexpectedness which people miss. So the divine is to bring it in chaotic ways. I mean, the joy of the unexpectedness brings the joy of discovery. That's another type of, you know, play, the ananda. So surface emotions, same with the surface desires. They are always busy with these or that things. So there is no energy left to really desire for the one who alone needs to be desired for. Because imagine for eight hours a day we are desiring something or the other. After that, we say, let me sit and meditate. People often say, I have no time for meditation. I say, it's not a problem of time. So I come home at 8.30, tired. I said, because you are busy desiring 100 things. No energy left now to desire the divine. So, we have to learn to separate and be detached, even in the midst of everything, and enjoy. Enjoyment doesn't need always to step out and say, oh, wow, wonderful. Take the rasa of it. But stay inwardly, little detached, calm, not that much like grip. And same with the physical self. So at different levels when we practice this inner separation, it's the first practice and many people mint money out of teaching this practice just to become a witness. Isn't it? Uh, great courses which are held all over the world just to teach to be a witness. 
you have to do it you don't need to leave your cell phone to do it you have to exercise enough mastery as to when you want to use the cell phone when you don't want to use the cell phone so this detachment is the very first step if you ask me basic to become a witness to all this thing which is going on and one can add to it many types of uh, thought for instance this is ever going to pass away it's going to change this is the sobering buddhist thought that look you know it is impermanent what was the term buddha had used a nice term shri krishna used the word anityam so it is not permanent it's transient it is impermanent so don't be so carried away by a joy which you know is not going to last its other side which is a good side is know that sorrows also won't last it's a constant process so this detachment life teaches us it is not to be practiced in a hermitage or 10 day course on detachment it doesn't make sense if one is sincere one practices it in life and that makes us this is the elementary practice the second elementary practice for growth of consciousness is to remember and offer so people often look for oh i don't have time okay let's start recounting 8 hours in the office what were you doing i was doing this work doing that work did you not get even a few minutes when you were just stretching yourself like this oh yes those kind of things come but not enough time to sit and meditate mother says every day there are many windows that open on the infinite and we can combine it i, I mean i i have done like that and every time i feel like stretching i would just say, oh ma so beautiful and think of our infinity around just one moment when you are driving what do you do just call her ma 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 it's some something so wonderful in us you have to drive such long distances i can tell you it is safe trust me i have done miles of driving on scooter in indian roads thinking of mother's name calling a name in the heart it's so beautiful because it's a opportunity given to us when we are eating food so many opportunities we get when we can connect through remembrance and offer we wake up in the morning we can offer the day see consciousness grows through these simple things mother this day is yours let this be a day of joy beatitude your love may your peace grow in me anything that comes spontaneously not a fixed prayer god is bored of all the prayers in the world because they are not our prayer oh let me look for my prayer book abhi subah subah uthke hanuman chalisa karte hain even hanuman ji would be thinking you are being innovative <laughs> then at the end of the day at night in between so all this remembrance and offer which mother insisted upon once she insisted upon insisted is a way of saying to choose without preference and act without desire very interesting because we exercise preference this over that it's not by preference but a deeper truth that we will choose you have to choose normally we choose by preferences what is pleasant is a great truth of katopanishad that she revealed shreyasya priyasya so we choose what is pleasant all the time but we choose what is good for us and when we choose what is good for us even if it's unpleasant it goes into the credit score <laughs> of the growth of consciousness there is a file out there so our computer software is suddenly gets upgraded like we keep having no in all upgraded so it gets upgraded <coughs> 
सो चूज विदाउट प्रेफरेंस एक्सिक्यूट विदाउट डिजायर ग्रेट ट्रूथ ऑफ द गीता आई मस्ट डू वट आई मस्ट डू डजेंट मैटर वॉट इट इज बट टू डू विद ए पर्टिकुलर रिजल्ट इन माइंड इज वॉट बाइंड्स मी दैट इज वॉट इज कर्म बांधी सो दीज आर सो सिंपल ट्रूथ नॉन सिंस एजेस and um, i think at least growing up in the indian context which is there even in the bible people don't read the bible like that you know i'll end with this story that you know it's a question of seeking when you read a scripture with a seeking heart you will have the truths revealed in it there is a shobindo recounts that when he was in the jail so uh, he recounts people whom he met and he says they were such extraordinary people but they were you know leading life incarcerated in a prison uh by you know developed and civilized people uh, these people were incarcerated in a prison i i hope everybody gets the joke of it all and so in the prison this man uh, one of the person asked for the geeta he was asked what do you want he said i want the geeta so he was not given the geeta he was given the bible so he read the bible he said okay doesn't matter he started reading the bible so when they would go to the court room uh, shobindo and this person when he others will have a discussion now what sure window geeta was a realized truth for him so he says i was so surprised that he read the bible but he was talking as if he had read the geeta all the truths of the geeta he was revealing but he had read the bible he had not read the geeta he wanted to read the geeta but he was given the bible so you see the seeking is so important when that urge is there we may pick up any scripture or no scripture we may watch a movie and the truth will be revealed because truth is everywhere it's hidden in every nook and cranny of life so this these are just some of the hints and very simple easy to practice beware of people who will charge a big amount yesterday again that i keep on saying teach you some technique god is not a slave of technique if at all he is a slave of anything it is of love and sincerity that poem of shirbindo with which i'll close it it talks of god it says oh thou who pervadest all the worlds below yet sittest above master of all who work and rule and know servant of love master of all who work and rule and no servant of love o thou who disdainest not the worm to be forget about human beings nor even the clod therefore we know by that humility that thou art god and if you want to know one perfect example of humility read the life of shurbindo perfect humility so far removed from all our modern gurus if shurbindo has a letter to be posted he would pick it up and uh, look here and there and then he would say with a perfect gentlemanliness i suppose this has to be posted and nirodha writes a hundred hungry hands would have grabbed if he ordered but he wouldn't order perfect humility therefore we know by that humility that thou art god so we'll stop here i think for the next session